You're listening to the Actor Aesthetic Podcast, episode 105, featuring special guest Lindsay Heather Pierce of Broadway's Wicked and Glee. Let's get started. What's up, everyone? This is Maggie Barra, and welcome to another episode of the Actor Aesthetic Podcast, where I take you behind the scenes of the theater industry. The Actor Aesthetic Podcast is produced every single week for your enjoyment, and show notes are found at actoraesthetic.com slash podcast. You can also follow me on Instagram at Actor Aesthetic or join our Facebook group, the Actor Aesthetic Alliance. All links are in the show notes. Now let's get on to the show. Did you know that Actor Aesthetic has an online store? You can now search through the Actor Aesthetic shop to find downloadable cover letter samples, resume templates, audition journal spreadsheets, and hundreds of audition song suggestions categorized by voice type and genre. Level up your audition game and go to actoraesthetic.com shop. Well, hey friends, thanks for joining me again this week for another episode of the Actor Aesthetic Podcast. This week's episode features Broadway's latest alphaba, Lindsay Heather Pierce. Before she was the green girl, she performed all over the Los Angeles area with For the Record Live at the Rockwell Table and Stage and the historic Troubadour. You may know her from The Glee Project, Glee on Fox, the Los Angeles revival of Bear, a pop opera, American Idiot, Los Angeles, Freeform's Recovery Road, Grey's Anatomy on ABC, and more. In this episode, I chat with Lindsay about leaving high school early, auditioning for The Glee Project, and making her Broadway debut in Wicked. So without further ado, please sit back, relax, and enjoy our chat. I know that you mm-hmm. initially grew up in Northern California. Yeah. Tell me about how you initially got involved in theater. So I was adopted into a family full of athletes. All three of my brothers of played athletes, or played athletes, there I go, sports, <laughs> woohoo! Um, all three of my brothers played sports, um, and I was like, and none of them were adopted. I was like the adopted singer. And so my parents, my parents knew simply, simply just by the fact that I, I was not genetically attached to them, that I would be exactly like my brothers. And, and they were really good about, you know, feeding me foods that my brothers didn't like in case I liked them and, and letting me try things that my brothers didn't have interest in because I wasn't like them. I was one, a female and two adopted. So they were really, really good about, you know, if I had tendencies towards other things, they wouldn't kind of deter me from that. And, um, slowly through like kindergarten, preschool, like preschool, kindergarten, first grade, second grade, you know, they would get calls of like, Lindsay can't pay attention and <laughs> Lindsay's causing riots and Lindsay's biting kids and Lindsay, <laughs> Lindsay has too much energy. And, um, and so I was a lot of, my mom always jokes that I, as a single small girl was more trouble, I was more trouble than all three of my brothers combined. And she was like, what do I do with this? monster and um my teachers would kind of slowly give my my parents would like kind of gather information that i was reading ahead and that i was memorizing things and that like i wasn't actually taking in information i was memorizing things and like reciting information um (laughs) and like not testing well and they were like we don't understand she knows the whole book but she's not testing well like just (laughs) classic left-brained like really creative, needed different kind of care than, than most other students. And which is not, I was not special at all. I just had so much imagination, so many words, lots of singing. I was singing before I talked. And one day my parents were, we were at a soccer tournament and back in the nineties, the soccer tournaments were like a thing where you would, we were living in Portland, Oregon at the time we moved. I was born in Modesto, California, Northern California. And then we moved to Modesto. So my dad could go to college and when you do a soccer tournament, it was like everybody hitching their cute little trailers to the backs of their cars and like driving to Utah where the soccer tournament was. So that was kind of my memories was driving across state lines, singing away and, and 
reciting lines to every movie I'd ever seen. And um, there was one day at a soccer tournament across state lines, knocks on all the trailer doors, this man going around knocking on the doors and gets to my mom and she's like, is that your kid singing in the grass? She was like, what did she do? What did she do? Who did she bite? Who did she hit? What, what did she, what did she take to make a necklace? Like, what did she do? And, um, and he was like, no, 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 nothing. She didn't do anything. She's singing and well, it turns out he was, I don't remember if he was the Dean or like the professor of Portland university in, uh, Oregon, but he, he was a, a teacher. He was a music teacher, um, at the university. And he was like, she has like relative pitch. She's singing on key. Wow. with with dynamics and like he was like he was like she's got it so i don't know if that means anything to you but you should do something about it my parents were like what <laughs> and um and then and my dad and my mom loved music my dad was an inc- he knows everything there is to know about classic rock across the board across decades um you know worked in a record store and his job was to Um, make sure that the speakers work. So they had to have like listening parties at work and all kinds, I mean, insane. (laughs) And my my mom loved the ballet. She was a gymnast in in her earlier years. She loved the ballet, she loved performance, but they were very far removed from it. Mm. So then once they kind of were given tidbits of information about the way that my brain was working and the way that I, the way that my energy was being placed, um, when we moved back to Modesto, there was an opera house downtown called Townsend Opera Players, and they had a little children's kind of community theater group. Yeah. They were like, put her there. And my mom, <laughs> my mom went my first day, my audition, my quote unquote audition. Yeah. I was very nervous. I was like, I, and I, I was very nervous, but I also had no freaking clue what was going on. I was like, what, what are the pianos? What's, what, what are we doing here? Opera <laughs> hall? Where, where are we? And Randy Linnae, my first like mentor, vocal coach, director, teacher ever, sat down and plunked me through scales to see uh-huh. what my range was, to see if I could match pitch, all of it. And she kept making me sing happy birthday. And then she'd keep checking my range and checking like my fortitude and like how like <laughs> stubborn I was going to be. When, when was I going to quit? <laughs> when was she going to quit? And it was like something, something ridiculous, like three octaves for like an eight-year-old, a seven or eight-year-old kid. And I don't, I don't remember all the details, but I remember Randy pulling my mom aside and my mom telling me about this. And she was like, she, please keep her here. Like, please Mm -hmm. let her stay. Um, I think that she would do really well. Clearly she's got a lot of gumption. Clearly she has a lot of energy. Clearly she wants to do something with, with this instrument. And that was really it. I did tons of community kid theater. And then um, when I was 17, I got my first regional job in the Bay Area. I was playing Belle and Beauty and the Beast. Mm-hmm. And then at the same theater, I did Cinderella and Peter Pan and just really amazing big scale um, productions. And at the same time, I was at the junior college. I was at the, the junior college in Modesto. And I uh, specifically wanted to be there because I left high school at the end of my sophomore year. So for my junior year to my senior year of high school, I, um, I was like, I'm out of here. There's no <laughs> arts program at my high school. This doesn't work for me. And there wasn't. And my dad was the dean, is the dean um, of my old high school. And he was like, well, listen, if you want to go to a different program, you're going to have to do all of it yourself. You're going to have to call and you're going to have to make the appointments. And my mom helped me a little bit, but I pretty much did all of it myself. I wrote my essays of let me, let me into this charter school. Let me, <laughs> let me go to college. And there, so there was a specific program where I would go to high school from like seven or eight in the morning until about noon. And I would finish out all of the subjects that I needed to finish in order to graduate high school, junior, senior year. Wow. And uh, from noon and on, I was a full-time college student and I had to be approved to take full-time college classes. And it wasn't that intense. Like, I'm not saying I was a brainiac. I had like a 3.6 to 3.8 GPA, which is fine. That's a, that's a, that's a good GPA. I was getting like A's and B's and, uh, and C's and D's in math. Um, Cause <laughs> screw math. It was, it's terrible. I never want to do it again. Um, but the, the extra credits were specifically so that I could be in the shows because wow. you, the, the shows were credit values. So I had to be approved to be able to do the shows on top of all my other general education and, and mm. classes that I wanted to take. 
so I got to do college theater for like That's three amazing. years. What yeah, were you studying then, at this junior college? Like theater 101, improv, yeah. um, I love environmental sciences, hmm. history, um, film. I was taking as much as I could psychology 101, psychology 103, um, which was actually an incredible thing. I wish that I had, at, at age 17, 18, I wish that I had been able to open my brain up to that more because it, it was so science-based and, and um, almost anthropology-based, that psychology class. But as an actor, psychology is such an incredible thing and anthropology mm. is such an incredible thing to study. Yeah. And I'm so glad I did it. I was so, to, to learn about like serotonin and all of the, the <laughs> ways in which your brain like creates habits and, and how, how when your brain does not fire up off enough of this chemical, you're, you have a reaction. And right. it was just really, really fascinating and lots of dance. I was taking a lot of like sewing. I mean, anything that I could art. I was taking art on Saturdays, music, voice, um, piano, which I was not good at. I don't know what my deal is with piano and like <laughs> instruments. I'm not good at it. Probably because I get too distracted and, <laughs> and don't apply myself, but Jesus Christ, it's so hard. <laughs> and, um, and so that was, that was really in lots of English. I was studying like English lit and, oh, um, cool. and grammar. Um, I graduated with something like 80 college credits, wow. something insane. And, and most of it, most of it was performance, let's be honest. But I had, I had, I had specifically tried to graduate with as much, um, transferable credits as possible. Right. So when I was 19, I had been auditioning. I auditioned, actually flew out, auditioned for Elon, um, university in North Carolina and was mm -hmm. denied. And then I, something I don't remember it's I feel like it's been so I mean it's been 10 years um I just remember not being able to audition for like Carnegie Mellon in person because mm -hmm. it's expensive and yes, it um and so many other things and like I'd missed a window to audition in California and then the auditions that I could do in California it was just basically a mess so I I was denied where I was denied and um and then was like, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to do another semester and really knock it out of the park because I, I don't want to be 20. I don't want to be 20 years old when I go to college. Oh, my God, like, relax. And, um, and then the minute, the minute I was like, well, I guess I'm not going to college, like to, to a four-year university this year, um, Glee Project came. That's incredible. I mean, how and did that so audition just, come about? Um, I actually, because I had not gotten into a four-year university, yeah. I knew that I would need to, uh, take more shifts at my job. Uh, mm -hmm. I was working at, uh, oh my God, where was I working? I was working at Juice It Up, which is Juice a smoothie place. Up. I was working at a okay. smoothie place and, um, and there was a talent competition in Modesto called Valley's Got Talent right now. I think it's called Oh God, it's the name has changed, but then it was called Valley's Got Talent. And um, <laughs> the grand prize was $750 if you won the competition. And it was like magic and comedy and acrobatics. I mean, everything, wow. everything under the sun. And my audition was The Wizard and I. <laughs> of course it was. Um, and all I remember, I, all I remember was that, that the backing track was like sped up times three. So I was singing it at top speed. And, um, and I, th I think I'd like lime, like lime wired, you know what I mean? Like, I don't think I bought that track. I think I illegally downloaded it. So it was like sped up so fast. So it's like The Wizard and I, like I was singing so quickly. <laughs> And I recorded it on a, on a burned CD and I sent it in. They put me at the end of the show and I sang Gimme Gimme from Thoroughly Modern Millie. And Robert Ulrich is from Modesto and he was yes. judging that competition and saw me there. And so when I went to begin the application process again in the fall for spring auditions um, across the States, uh, my mom was like, why don't you reach out to Because I was having like a, a block. I couldn't, I couldn't get my essays were really difficult for me because I just, I felt such imposter syndrome and yeah. didn't know what made me special and what set me out against because what Elon taught me was that there were many of me and I didn't re I knew that there were many of me, but I didn't, un I was from a tiny town, so I didn't know yeah. really. And I was like, wow, what is going to set me apart from everybody else? Because like, 
I'm a five foot four white girl that can sing. Shocking. <laughs> like, Shocking. Another one, you know, and like can kind of dance, but not really. Like, I don't know. So I, I was having a hard time and my mom was like, why don't you reach out to Robert on Facebook? Because we were Facebook friends and I felt very cool. And so <laughs> I did. And he said, let me call you in a couple of minutes with your phone number. And he essentially said, I cannot tell you because of conflict of interest, I can't tell you to audition for Glee Project. But if you do want to audition, here's how, call me back, wow. et cetera, okay. et cetera. And so I made the decision to audition and I went and I auditioned in that, that room with the blue background. Um, everybody that auditions for Glee auditioned in and I, it was my first LA audition. I was 19 and I was like, what am I doing here? And, um, and it was wild. And then I got a call back and then stayed in the callbacks. I stayed for all of the rounds and then waited and got the call on Skype that I was going to be doing the show. Wow. And, um, and then I moved to LA. So it was kind of like all of my, all of my plans of, and I, I wanted to go to a four-year university for a, mm -hmm. a BFA in musical. I wanted to go to Fullerton. I wanted to go to Elon. I wanted to go to Carnegie Mellon. Yeah. I wanted to go to like Marymount Manhattan. I wanted to go to Tisch. Um, and, and none of that happened. Um, so it kind of just goes to show like your best laid plans, sometimes they're not meant for you. And mm -hmm. there, I was probably not meant to take up that space. What have you learned working on the Glee project and Glee that you feel, I mean, you were young still working on these yeah. shows. So what did you learn working on those productions that you feel you've taken with you into your now career? Um, I, think, I think something that I learned long after the fact was that it's difficult with reality competition or reality shows in general because they kind of they kind of need all of your thoughts you know to create content and they kind of need all of your info and i think i think that that has really taught me to breast my cards and to mm. be precious with what i am and who i am and what i have to say and to be precious with um my words whether they may not be taken the right way given context or um that they could be twisted and manipulated against me mm. so and, and that's, that's truly, that is truly no shade. It is, it is the, that's the will of the reality TV gods. And that's, that's something that's a far greater power than myself. So I think, I think as I've gotten older, I still get really interesting messages from people that think I'm still 19, you know, saying some, some weird thing on a reality television show out of context. And I'm always like, I don't know. Um, I think I've also learned that you really can be the juiciest peach. It's so cliche, but you can be the juiciest peach in a box of peaches and someone will walk up and be like, I effing hate peaches. <laughs> right. And I wasn't used to that. I was used to, I was used to my very safe, very privileged place of like a bunch of theater friends in this community college, like group that all loved each other and supported each other. And I'm not saying that we weren't loved or supported on the Glee project or, or Glee. Or, or any job thereafter, but I was very sheltered and very used to a very specific set of ways. And, and I had no experience and was mm. kind of cast into a world. Um, and I'm not a quick learner. Um, I, think I, I think I am in some, some respects, but I feel everything as it comes, my heart's on my sleeve. Um, I learn a lot of lessons the hard way, hopefully not anymore, I'm almost 30 years old. I think, I think that was my biggest takeaway was do your work and trust the people that you trust and talk about your stuff with those people. Mm -hmm. I think that was the biggest thing was enjoy your work, do your work, have a blast when you can, because not all of it's fun. Some of it's hard. Some of it's really hard. Um, apply yourself and, you know, stay precious with the stuff that is yours. Stay precious with yourself and share that, that preciousness with people that are gonna, that are gonna um, appreciate it and, That's and really important. treat it dear. It seems as though up until making your Broadway debut in Wicked, which we'll get to talk about very soon, that <laughs> you were working pretty consistently in both film and TV and regional professional theater. So how do you feel as though the audition processes were different in the film and TV medium versus theater? Mm. Man, you know, it's interesting. I think the I think the process within the room is different, but I don't think the prep process is very different. Mm -hmm. um, so my my end, at least in, in my eyes, um, my process is not different. I think I think acting styles can be different. 
because obviously stage is a much bigger thing. Um, so you have to be, you know, gesticulate and your eyebrows do dances and, and you, you just, you're, you speak a bit louder and stuff. Whereas with film, it's not a lot of blinking and intensity, mm -hmm. depending on the acting style, depending on, you know, the way that I would act for modern family is not the, the same style that I would for like Breaking Bad, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> which are both shows that, that aren't on the air anymore, but, um, but you know what I mean? It's, there are different styles and, um, you know, NCIS is not going to feel like once upon a time. And, and so um, that was, that was an interesting thing to learn um, that every, that every show and film has its own style and, um, they will say, you know, if you're not familiar with this show, go watch it, mm -hmm. go watch a couple episodes to get a feel is usually the, um, the thing that actors will say to each other or that your casting directors or agents will say to you, or they'll say, you know, for a film, they'll say, you know, this director has this style. Why don't you go watch one of the movies? If you're unfamiliar yeah. with this process or this studio or these producers, et cetera. And, um, yeah, so that, that's something really interesting because I think when you go in for musical theater or, you know, a show that's kind of, the, the style is there, it's in the show. Yeah. Um, granted, not all shows are the same, like example, American Idiot, my audition look, my voice, <laughs> my style would be very different from like Spring Awakening, you know what I mean? Like it'd be <laughs> different, it's a different thing. But um, the musical theater, you know, you usually go in um, with songs and like your own book and you have a lot of stuff that's prepped that's meant to plug into many auditions. Yeah. Whereas television and film is like, you get your sides and you prep those things. And then sometimes with musical theater, they'll give you like a packet or say, Hey, can you prep this song and these sides and bring your book and, you know, bring a monologue or whatever it is that you, that you use on your auditions, depending on what they ask for. So yeah. I would say, I don't know. I, I haven't ever had like a terrible Los Angeles casting director experience where they're like, thank you next, like get out your trash. I've never, I've never had, I've had, I've had like stoicism. I've had, I've gone yeah. to shake a hand and people been like, no, you know what I mean? Like I've, I've had those experiences, but, but not, not rudeness or anything like that. I don't, I feel like maybe I'm talking out of my butt here, but I feel, I feel like at least within the casting rooms, um, I feel like there's been a great shift over the last decade um, yeah. in like kind of bedside manner, I guess. Um, not coddling, but just everyone's respectful. But I will say the respect comes out in droves if you're freaking prepared and you're not going in looking yes, like an idiot and, and, you know, looking at your sides the whole time and, and fumbling your words and you have no direction or thought process in your acting and um, I think when you're prepared, they can, they can breathe easy because that's their job is to, you want to walk into that room and they'd be like, oh, thank God they're here. Yeah. You know, finally, I don't, I don't have to see anybody else. Yeah. <laughs> I've been doing this for eight hours for a week. Every single, every single day this week, I've been casting multiple characters for the show. And this person just walked in totally prepared. I can see them in the wig. I can see them in the, you know, and that's, that's television, film, theater, regional theater auditions. I don't know. I feel like once you, once you get to know a lot of people in your area, you know, the, the theater community is very small. Yes. Um, it really is. And it gets smaller and smaller and smaller, the more that people work. So I feel like I've always had this great privilege of walking into a room and like, I know somebody there, um, or someone I know has been like, Hey, do you want to come in for this? So I at least know somebody in the room or I know somebody that's in the audition room. Yeah. Um, I've always, I've always felt lucky in that regard to be like, Oh, it's because theater's home. So like, I always feel a little at home. Broadway, however, <laughs> that was scary. Very different. And I think I read somewhere, was Wicked your, your very first Broadway audition? Yeah, wow. I, I, I have a very faint memory of sending in a terrible tape for Beautiful. So if you want to count that one, I'm not going to count okay. it because I just don't speak of it. I think it was absolutely shit. Excuse the language, but I don't think it was any good. God, I probably deleted that off of my computer immediately. <laughs> um, it was just so bad. I was just not right. I was way too young. I don't, I didn't know what I was doing. Wow. Probably didn't even send it in, to be honest. <laughs> they were probably like, you know what? <laughs> this ain't it. <laughs> um, but other than that, I don't, I don't remember. I remember auditioning for the Into the Woods movie, which I, again, I don't think that tape ever saw the light of day. 
Um, I'm not kidding. There was also a time where, where I, I really fell out of love with like the film television. Mm. Audition. I, I fell out of love with the audition process in my mid twenties and, and it wasn't serving me at all. So I, I went through a period where I, um, I had no love for it. I had deep anxiety anytime I would get an email in my inbox, which wow. must've been frustrating for everybody involved, um, mm. where it, I, I just, I didn't want to, um, not because I didn't love the craft or would barf calling it the craft, but not because I didn't love the work, but because, um, the scrutiny, I felt, I felt scrutiny and, and that was all me. That was all 100% my, my perspective and mm. how I felt about myself coming out in my auditions. And that was its own challenge. So I think, I think falling in love with it again, I, I've been sober for almost three years mm. and, and that really helped me come back to myself. I felt very lost in a world that I didn't want to be in, not necessarily like drinking or anything like that, but I just did not feel like myself. And once you, once you remove something that makes you feel like someone else, you really get down to the nitty gritty of who you are. So I have felt very comfortable moving forward um, in auditions, in art, in allowing people to see vulnerability and allowing people to see me for who I am and what I am and what I can yeah. give. That being said, Wicked was <laughs> scary. Oh my God. <laughs> well, it's funny because, you know, I hear a lot of stories about how people are auditioning for that show for years, years. before they book, you know, and mm -hmm. they'll get down to final callbacks and then it just won't be their time. And then, yeah. you know, they wait around for years. Now, what was your audition process like? Because I know that you, I think I read that you found, you, you, you got the call like early January, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. The 2nd of January. Yeah. January 2nd of 2020. So mm -hmm. who, how long was that audition process for, for you? Did you have to fly out to New York for it? Or yeah. did you send out a tape? What, what, yeah. what was your deal? I, um, I got the, I had just gotten off my last ship job. Um, okay. I'd been around the world for like nine months, literally everywhere, um, yeah. singing Tim Rice music. And it was fantastic. <laughs> um, it, was, it was a very welcome break from the grind. I needed it. I needed it desperately. And it was wonderful. I sang everything. So I, f I came back feeling really vocally strong because I'd sang literally everything under the sun on that, on that contract. And um, I came back. I signed with a new representative. Natalie, if you're listening, I love you. And um, <laughs> she's fantastic. And she asked me, hey, like New York is something you want to do, right? Like, and I was like, is New York, because New York is something that you do or it's something that happens to you. And I was like, well, my goal is to actually live in New York in 2020. And she said, wow. let's, let's think about first letting a job take you to New York. And if, um, if a job does not take you to New York, why don't you do pilot season and like go to New York for the spring, summer, rent, you know, rent a sublet and then come back, which is crazy to think about doing right now. It is. Um, it's absolutely wild to think about. And I was like, I think you're right. I think, I think I've like, I've established a, um, I've established myself in Los Angeles. Whereas if I was to go to New York, people would be like, who is this? <laughs> and, uh, and that's pretty much what happened in my Wicked audition. I got, I got an email um, about a month after um, working with Natalie. I'd been doing like a bunch of auditions, self tapes for TV and film and all kinds of stuff. And um, I opened my, up my, my inbox and it was like November 17th, Wicked slash alphabet slash 3 p.m. Monday, November 17th. And I was like, because <laughs> I didn't think it was going to happen like stat and, uh, and certainly not like wicked. It's one thing to be like, they're doing Shrek the musical, you know, like in Connecticut, you know, or something like that. But like, it was wicked. And, um, and I, you know, I, I pooped my pants and then I got, I got, I cleaned up and I got myself together and I had about a week and a half to prepare, thank God. And so I prepared, I prepared like a squirrel for the winter. I was so prepared when I went into that audition because my goal was not, I didn't go in thinking I was going to book it. <laughs> I did not think, I did not think that I would book, book it straight away. My goal was to go back for another one, you know, right. or, or for them, for that casting, it's Telsey so, and they cast a lot. So I was like, yeah. maybe if they like me for this or if they go, mm, she's great, but she's not ready or not right now, or, um, mm, we don't, we don't need anybody right now. 
maybe they'd call me in for something else. I just right. didn't want them, and not say, I don't know if any casting directors actually throw away headshots or resumes, but I didn't want them to throw mine away. <laughs> I just wanted them to hold on to it and be like, this one with the crazy eyes. The first audition, and it was just, it was just Craig, the casting director, and my accompanist and my reader. And again, audition angels, a very good friend of mine named Ryan, who knows Craig, happened to be there um, calling people into the auditions. He was there like moderating it. So I walked in like, whoo, feeling very floaty and not grounded. And he was there and we just locked eyes and he was like, hi. I sat down and there, they had seen hundreds of non-equity performers. They had seen hundreds of equity performers. And I had a, an agent audition. I went in and I, I had my book ready. I was a good little student. I had so many freaking songs that book was so heavy um, and it was green. And my little folder was green because I was like stay in theme, um, cheeky little girl. And I didn't do any of that. I went in and did the sides and then I sang. And, uh, and then I was walking. Do you remember what walking, sides you had to do for that? It was the cub scene and, uh, and that was it. We didn't do the witch fight scene. Did you do and the then songs? I did, I did the, um, uh, the, the end of the wizard and I, basically all the audition cuts of the wizard yeah. and I, uh, I'm not that girl, which I didn't do, and Defying Gravity. I only sang Wizard and I and Defying Gravity. Um, mm. I was in and out within like six minutes, not even. And uh, just holler, holler and hop out. That's all I did. And, <laughs> and as I was walking out, he was like, can you come back on Wednesday? And I said, yeah. And I went back. And I was in the middle of auditions at the Rockwell Table and Stage in LA. I was doing a, um, this Nightmare Before Christmas parody burlesque show. It was fantastic. We were in deep in rehearsals. Like we were like four days away from opening. Whoa. So I was like, guys, Wicked, Wicked wants to see me again on Wednesday. And they were like, oh my God, oh my God. <laughs> everybody was just like, everybody there would like hold hands and be like, you're going to be so great. It's going to be great. Then everybody, so many people were like, she's going to get it. Like they thought I was going to get it. And I was like, I'm not going to get it. There's no way. There's no way. And it just made, bless those people. And, um, and I went in on Wednesday and everybody was there. It was wow. not like Steven Schwartz or Joe Mantello or any of them, but uh -huh. it was, it was the associate director. It was the music director. It was the casting director and then the accompanist and then the reader. And then Ryan, again, my friend Ryan was there and he was the one filming that day. Mm -hmm. And to have him physically in the room with me, to have that one, what a lucky thing. And that does not happen often, but what an incredible gift having him there was, oh, it's going to make me cry. Cause he, him and I have, we just love each other so much. And he's like, he is, we call each other like our little sisters. Like he's just like, he's officiating my wedding. Like he's oh. <laughs> in a caftan. Like I love that man so much. He's everything. He is like my Elizabeth Taylor dreams. Oh. And, um, and he was there, he was there just being like a pillar of safety. And I, yeah. and I needed that because I was so far out of my comfort zone. So I just needed to know that there was a life raft somewhere. Yeah, he in was looking room. out for you. And yeah, and I went in and I put my binder down because uh, we were going to do the songs first. And it was like, God bless Lisa, game face. And they immediately asked me to do Defying Gravity first and I was like balls and um so I sang that first and then we immediately went into the cub scene because it's a frantic scene and she yeah. wanted me to feel out of breath from singing Defying Gravity and boy oh boy was I and then she had me do it um uh Wizard and I after that and in the middle of the cub scene I I I forgot the line you're bleeding um because I thought it was the girl's line the girl that was reading with me I thought it was her I thought she had more to say and we were just staring at each other and she was like, mm? not, not like, Hey, it's your line. But she was like, she was in it with me. So she's just blinking at me, waiting for me to say you're bleeding. <laughs> um, and I didn't say it. And then I, I went, I looked at her and I was like, is it me? And she was like, yeah. And I went, shit. <laughs> because I didn't, I put my book down and I didn't bring, I didn't pick it back up. And I went, I literally went, oh, shit do you want me to go back? And they were like, no. And I, and, and I said, can you give me the line? And she was like, you're bleeding. And I was like, yes, you're bleeding. Thank you. Okay. You're bleeding. And we went right. We just kept going. And I, I wonder if it's cause I, 
I dropped a curse word in the middle of the audition <laughs> that they were like, huh, interesting choice. Um, what an embarrassment. But I did. I big old shit right out loud um, <laughs> all over the scene. And then I sang Wizard and I, and that was it. Um, mm. I went to walk out and Lisa said, before you go, in her like New York accent, she's like, how tall are you really? <laughs> and I was like, five, three and three quarters. And she goes, oh, she's honest. And, um, and that was it. I didn't hear anything. And then I went home for Thanksgiving weekend. I see my parents up here in the house that I'm in now. And uh, I got an email on the weekend from my agent. And that doesn't happen unless there's something no. really important or something that at last minute that has to be done before, before Monday or whatever. And um, something had happened to the memory card that day. So none of those auditions were there. They were gone. Whoa. Um, or like they, the, the, something with the memory card was bad. Um, so the tape wasn't any good if it was playing at all. And I remember my heart sinking because those first two auditions felt like flying. It was at the feeling after those auditions were just like, wow, I, I am unlimited. I was like, I can do, if I can do this well in an audition, I have no excuse for any other auditions. This is so amazing. Look what you can accomplish when you really dig your heels in. Even if you don't get cast, what a feel that feeling after an audition is worth a hundred no's. It really is because it's just so validating as an actor. So I was like, man, oh man, that sucks. And then of course they were like, can you come in on Monday? We, you know, we're, hi we're hiring readers and stuff. Can you come in on Monday and, and accompanists? And of course, that week that they wanted to see me after Thanksgiving Day weekend, I had a gig that literally landed at 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. in Santa Monica every day. And there was no way oh, that I would be able to get from one to the other. And it was one of those gigs where it's like, you have to be there on time. And so eventually the idea of why don't we do it at nine in the morning <laughs> came up because I was not gonna miss this i was not gonna miss it so my little tush got up at 5 a.m on that that following monday and i sat in a shower for like 30 minutes breathe huffing the steam and and finding the will to belt the high things at nine in the morning and um going over the sides and warming up slowly and warming up in the car on the way there and i got there and there were a couple people in the office Wilshire Boulevard in Los Angeles at the Tulsi casting offices and I was waiting and waiting and then everybody got there and we went in we did everything wow. so many times and it was not the same people from that first audition this was like the Tulsi office of Los Angeles and the yeah. only person that was there from the previous auditions was the accompanist and uh, <laughs> so I still had like a little life raft I just had one little little thing and and he bless him would turn and be like, um, he was like, like, we'd get done with Wizard and I are defying gravity and bless everybody. Everybody in that room knew something was going on and was like, I just want to give you the best audition possible. Mm. Um, because those tapes were getting sent to Joe Mantello and Stephen Schwartz. And, um, and I didn't really know. I didn't really know what was going on. I kind of knew, but I was so like, wicked, 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 that I had no, I really, and also like get to this other gig. <laughs> I, I really had no clue yeah. what was going on. Please just, if you squeeze your butt enough, the notes will come out kind of an energy. I was like, it's 9 a.m. And, um, and so to have, to have a room full of people that really wanted me to succeed we sang everything a couple times, everything, the whole packet a couple times. Mm -hmm. We did every scene a couple times and then sung everything again because I was warm. And everybody, I'd get done and I'd kind of be like, is that good enough? And they'd be like, I think that was the one. Do you want to do it again? Because I think, I think that was the warm one. I wow. think that, that was what you would do later in the day if you hadn't just woken up yeah. um, four hours ago. And then I left and I didn't feel magical about that audition. I felt really downhearted actually. And I was like, mm -hmm. man, I think, I think that's the end of the road for that one. Um, and if my agent, my agent had let me know if it was to go further, I would fly to New York and I would do another audition with all of the creatives in one room and, and probably a dance call or something or like an, a chemistry read or something. And, uh, and so I let Wicked go. I thought that I thought that, that was like the end of the road for that round of auditions. And, 
again, I also did not expect to book anything um, straight off the bat off of one round of auditions. Cause I knew, I knew, I have friends that can sing me under the table that have, <laughs> that have auditioned for wicked and Broadway shows countless times and they either book or they don't, you know, and, um, there's, there, I am, I am not special in the fact that like I had this really weird anomaly moment of being at the right place at the right time, being very prepared. There's, there's nothing crazy special about that except it just happened to be my time. And, um, I, I cried in the car cause I was like, man, I wanted, I wanted to do better. Mm-hmm. Um, and meanwhile, the conversation was, well, if she can do that at 9am, <laughs> she can do it. Um, if she can do that over and over and over at 9am, meanwhile, I'm like, I'm never going to go to Broadway. <laughs> like, this is my shot to prove to them that I can do these auditions. Like, I was so sad. And then, of course, I was late to that gig. So I lost the gig, too. Come on, I know. And I was like, oh my God, this is the worst day of my life. And I got, thank God my, my, then he was my boyfriend, but my fiance was off work and he just let me cry it out. Cause he was like, he knew how hard I'd worked on all of it. And, and then I was just so disappointed in myself and I was so disappointed in the way that it felt. Um, and then that was, that was the end of October or, or October. That was the end either the end of November or the beginning of December at that point. And um, then on the 2nd of January, I got the call and I was like, what? Yeah. When you got that call, I mean, you weren't expecting that at all. No, no, not at all. And, and, and doubly over, I was on, I was pinned for a film. So Mm -hmm. I was waiting to find out about the film because I thought Wicked was done. And then um, my agent called and only, again, Natalie, hi, you're the worst, best thing. And she, (laughs) she called and was like, I'm about to get on a plane. Do you have a minute? And I was like, yeah. And she was like, are you sitting down? And I was like, I totally booked this movie. (laughs) And um, and I I was like, yeah, I'm driving. And she was like, you might want to pull over. And I was like, no, just tell me. She's like, okay, how do you feel about moving to New York to play Alphaba and Wicked on Broadway? And I was like, what? <laughs> and, uh, and, and I was not, I was not like, whoa, that's amazing. I was literally like, what are you saying to me right now? What is happening? And then um, it took a second for me to come back down to earth. And I was pretty shocked into silence. And she was like, are you there? And I said, are, are you sure? Mm. She said, yes. I said, are, are, are they sure? She said, yes. And I was like, Natalie, am I, I mean, I've never done anything like this. Am I ready? Like, can I, can I do this? And she went, I don't know. Can you? And I was like, yeah, (laughs) yes, I can. And that's been pretty much the mantra since I started working at Wicked was yes, I can. I can believe that you can. Because nobody else is going to believe in you. <laughs> if, if nobody wow. else believes in you, you have to believe in yourself. So it's a very, very odd, um, not run-of-the-mill way that they do things there. And I'm very grateful that they've taken a chance on me. That Wild. just goes to show how much we as actors just don't know what's going on behind the table. Mm-mm. Just completely are... You know, we could think that the casting director wasn't looking at us the whole time. We can think that we Mm -hmm. sounded like crap. And then all of a sudden you turn around and you have this job in front of you and you have this opportunity in front of you that you rightfully earned. You just, you know, completely second guessed it because why wouldn't you? You Yeah. Well, and you know, I've, the, the mentality of auditioning as well, like you can have, an amazing audition where like you've cried or you've sang your heart out or like you've left it all on the line and the room loves you Mm. and you never hear a thing. You never hear a thing ever again after that audition. And you're like, huh? I remember Grey's Anatomy. I went in and auditioned and was like, what the hell did I just do? That was garbage. And I got a call the next week that I was going to be on the show. And I was like, what do I not know? anything (laughs) and the answer is no I don't and that's the thing is like just just stay curious stay creative stay clearly this this industry will humble you Uh, stay stay in your place of humility and gratitude and just be accepting of what comes down your way and also understand that not everything is meant for you 
Yeah. Do you know how exhausted and busy you would be? You would have no time to yourself if everything was meant for you. Now you book the role and I know that you probably had like about a month of rehearsals. I imagine less. Mm-hmm. Um, so how do you feel that your alphaba differed from those who came before you? Mm. Um, yeah, that, that certainly, that's been a question that's come along in many shapes and forms yeah. um, before, before COVID and, uh, and after. And I think, I think the, again, it's a kind of a cliche and, and worn out answer, but the difference is, is, is that each woman brings their own thing to the table because they are, you know, Nicole Parker, because they're Eden Espinosa, because they're yeah. Shoshana Bean, because they're Jessica Vosk, you know, Jackie Burns, et cetera, et cetera. Um, the way that they speak, the way that they process information, the way that they get angry, the way that they sound when they're angry, the way that they cackle, the way that they move their bodies, all of it's different. Um, the only thing is, is that there is a cookie cutter of please move to three, because if you don't move to three, the tower will hit you. Move to six on this line, because if you, you don't, congrats, you don't have light. Um, you have to be here at this time because the broom is going to do this and you have to take it and you have to turn around at this point because something's happening over there that you have to notice or else the scene doesn't make sense. There's a ton of that. But it's also like the way that I move, the way that I speak, the way that I process information through that green lens is very different than the girl. Even Talia Siskauer, who's the, the alphaba on tour right now, we, we are such good friends, thank God. Um, we've, we've become so close in all of this because we miss our jobs. Yeah. Um, but like we talk about these scenes and and we'll talk about things like, like in, in a joking way of like, I don't remember any of these lines anymore. <laughs> you know, like, I was like, you know, the, the, the song came on the other day and the, the, the line vamp came on and I was like, what do we say here? Um, and, and the way that we would talk about scenes and the way that scenes are going to feel when we come back bouncing, even, even those conversations are the way that our brains work are vastly different. And, um, and that's really cool. I think, I think that you can only bring yourself to the table and something that was great about the, the creative process was um, part of your homework is to watch the show yeah. when, you're, when you're done with rehearsal. Sometimes you'd go and you'd watch the show or I would listen in the, the orchestra pit. Um, so my first time seeing Wicked on Broadway ever, not seeing Wicked ever, but seeing it on Broadway was um, with Jenny DeNoia uh, because Hannah Carnot was on vacation. And so I, with my friend Emily, we sat on, it was a Tuesday. Uh, or Wednesday, and um, we sat and we watched the show, and I was like, oh my God, and then I went and watched it again, and when, when Hannah was back, and then I listened in the orchestra pit um, on her closing day, and every single time I would go, I would let them know, hey, I'm gonna go, and they'd like give me a ticket, or they'd have me sit um, in the, the booth in the back, and they were like, if you come to rehearsal tomorrow and you sound anything like those women, you're gonna be in a lot of trouble. And they were 100% correct. They were like, if you say a line like them, I don't want to see, I don't want to see a lick of their performance. I don't want to see that informing yours because you're, we cast you because you're Lindsay. And I think that that's really powerful. Yes. With such a long running show, I think the show just had like Mm -hmm. its 16th anniversary coming on 17th. And what an incredible thing that they have built a show from scratch where Mm -hmm. you can throw in someone completely different and still Mm -hmm. bring so much power to the role and to the show and not have to feel as though they are a cookie cutter representation of the first person that played the role or the second person or the third person. Yeah. You know, that's so special that they even treated it that way and that they even said that to you. Well, also just the character of Alpha alone is so individual. Props to the first women in that kind of like first era of Alpha in the first like five to 10 years that, um, that really showed that she can be moldable. You know, there's definitely, there's definitely a vibe. Like there's for <laughs> sure a vibe to Alphaba. There's certainly like, a, it's a certain kind of lady. It's a certain kind of voice. It's a certain, it's a certain thing. There's definitely like a vibe, an aesthetic, um, a spirit, what, what have you. But 
I mean, one of the best examples was recently Shoshana Bean did that amazing video of all the alphabets singing Defying Gravity together and not one of us sounds the same. Not one of us says the lines the same. Not one of us sings the song the same. And it's like, that's, that's how you create a lasting character that quite literally this, you can put the, the skin on and, and do the work and it'll be it's still Alphaba. It's fantastic. It really, really so, is. If you could give one piece of advice to a young artist pursuing a career in the theater industry, what would that be? Mm, keep your eyes on your own paper. Hmm. Um, don't compare yourself. It's hard. It's hard to, to see people's highlight reel, to see, to see their reels on Instagram or Twitter or TikTok or whatever, whatever the hell it is that, that, that everybody's into now. It's, I, I do it myself where you get on and you're like, well, that person's shooting a movie, you know, or that person's thinner than me. That guy is booked all the time. And meanwhile, like you're sitting there with an abundance most of the time, you know, like I've, I've done it since I got Broadway where I have felt insecure or threatened or whatever about someone else, not, not someone else's success wishing, wishing that they didn't have it. I play Elphaba on Broadway and I have looked through Instagram and have been like, wow, I am not enough. And you're like, girl, what? <laughs> you play Elphaba on Broadway and you don't think that you're enough. And also that being said, keep your eyes on your own paper, but also remember that this this career is not what makes you. Yeah. It isn't. You are your own fully realized, actualized, complex person with interests outside of this. And your talent is not your only asset. You are a fully fledged human being with potential vastly in many different areas of your life outside of performing whatever medium that performing takes. If you've enjoyed today's episode and you found it helpful, I would love it if you could screenshot it, tag at Actor Aesthetic, and share it to your Instagram stories so that I can see who is following along with me there. If you haven't already, please be sure to rate and review the podcast on iTunes and also hit that subscribe button so that you can join me every single week for a brand new episode of the Actor Aesthetic podcast. Until then, this is Maggie Barra signing off. It takes a village. I'll see you next week.